This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Hey, good morning. This is Doug Field, CEO of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism. Uh, welcome you to this week's uh, edition of Healthcare Consumerism Radio. And I have joining us uh, in our studio today, my longtime co-host back with us, Ron Bachman, Chairman of the Advisory Board. Ron, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I'm excited to be back. we got a great program today. Yeah, good to have you back with us. Yeah, Glad to be here. You've been missed. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, we do have a great program. And actually, before I get into that, I want to kind of take a minute and thank really um, some of our longstanding affiliate members. You know, without them uh, and uh, their support, we really wouldn't be able to bring you this weekly show, do mm-hmm. the other things we do across the industry with the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism. So, <clears throat> some of our longtime affiliate members, Evolution One, uh, Health, United Healthcare, MasterCard, HealthStat. HSA Bank and Castlight Health, uh, you know, we can't thank you enough. For what an impressive list. Over. My yeah, goodness. I mean, think yeah. how far everything's come with uh, healthcare consumerism and, and the kind of support we get across the industry from these solution providers. Just just great people to be connected with, and I know they get great value out of being connected with the Institute. Yeah, I really appreciate it. And I want to welcome uh, some very innovative uh, new members. Uh, Go Health, one of the leading uh, individual mm. exchanges up in Chicago. We, uh, we welcome you as affiliate member, uh, Dentiquist, uh, leading dental benefit provider, uh, uh, Amada Health out of San Francisco. We had on the program recently, and Wells Fargo. Well, yeah, you know, with that new list that you just added, tells me is how diverse the interest is in healthcare consumerism and how it is spreading across so many different areas. It's not just some of the, the core benefits and designs and the insurers that you talked about, but now it's really all the uh, the supplemental players. Mm-hmm. They understand that uh, that's a key part of giving employees choice, getting them involved, giving them options. Um, it's very exciting to see the whole area develop. The health management, the digital health players, yeah. and certainly the uh, – exchange players so again thank you uh to all and you know we'll welcome some of the other new ones uh next week and we'll uh thank some of our uh existing affiliate members next week because you can't cover them all on the, the show which <laughs> the list is getting longer yeah, and longer and longer, and longer. yeah and if somebody's great. interested in uh, you know reaching out to us and uh talking about you know the value proposition and the benefit of being an affiliate member uh you know, reach out to our managing director and uh, other co-host, Brent Macy, uh, who's on the mm-hmm. golf course today. He's here at the Tour Championship at Eastlake. Oh, uh, tough job, tough job. But Brent can be reached at 770-296-7276. You know, uh, at some point they wind up uh, feeling left out if they're not participating in all this because, uh, you know, everybody else is going to be there promoting their products and their services and, and showing their leading edge. And so, you know, those who haven't signed up yet or haven't connected with the Institute uh, may find that uh, – you know, now's the time to get on board before uh, you know some of the competition beats them out and reaches the populations and the markets that they're trying to sell to. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I mean, if, if you know, um, if you are part of the healthcare consumer solution, want to be part of the solution, that's one of the value propositions of becoming an affiliate member. You really show that you are. Yeah, that, that you are a part of that. Well, great, uh, great program coming out. Before we get into some other discussions, Ron, uh, uh, very diverse program. We've got uh, Joan Christensen, the VP of Health Services, with. Um, First Data joining us on the first segment, really to talk about the changing payment space. Uh, some uh, very interesting things happening, you know, in the payment space. And then uh, a serial entrepreneur, Chris Hill, with uh, Spotlight, uh, you know, joining us, uh, really bringing e-commerce to consumer-driven benefits. And, you know, what's that play and how's that tie-in with the current benefit uh, uh, providers, et cetera. And then Jeremy Miller uh, talking to us uh, from FSA Store. 
Mm-hmm. And I think what, you know, Jer- uh, Jeremy is very timely on the program today talking about, hey, we're coming up at the end of the year as far as FSAs. And you know, I think there's a lot of questions out there on rollovers and, you know, what do you do? What don't you do? So uh, very timely. So, uh, Well, you know what that tells me, though? Again, the program today is a great program for the listeners out there because what we're seeing is not only, um, you know, new ideas and new thoughts come in and new services come in, but some of the services that have been around for a while have to reinvent themselves. Yep. I mean, the payment process, I mean, that's been going on forever, right? Yep. You're right. And what we're really talking about uh, with, with Joan is um, – is a reinvention of that uh, because we've got new payment systems coming on board. We've got new delivery systems. You've got direct payment. You got concierge services. You got capitation sort of coming back. So there's you have to reinvent yourself in this business. If you stay static and only offer the same old, same old, um, your competition's going to beat you out, and you're going to fall behind the marketplace. It's a very dynamic marketplace. Same with the FSAs. Yep. I mean, FSAs have been around for a long time, and uh, we do have some changes in uh, the IRS regulations on how they can be handled in terms of rollover or or a grace period to use the dollars. Um, But uh, that's been around for a good while. But now how do you best use those dollars at the FSA store? I'm really interested in hearing more about that. So, again, you got to reinvent yourself in this marketplace. It's moving rapidly, and it's moving because consumers are making certain demands out there in healthcare that they've never made before. They're saying, I want choices. I want options. I want better information. Uh, Health literacy, uh, educate me. Tell me. Give me support tools. All that's going on in the marketplace, and if you're a company out there and you're not responding to it, you're going to fall behind. And that's the real value, I think, the core and the history of the Institute is bringing people together that are providing new services, new products, being creative, inventive. And so if you want to be on the leading edge, you want to be involved. If you want to be able to to say from an employer standpoint, what's the the next latest and greatest, um, this is where you're going to find it because that's what we're promoting, the new ideas, the changing of the old guard to Mm -hmm. the new guard, the changing of the old guard. Uh, to reinvent themselves, and all that's very exciting. It's really exciting to see what's happening in the marketplace today. And I think one of you know a real epicenter, uh, Ron, driving that is the you know the rise of, the re- of retail health coverage, and that's kind of the theme of PwC's new uh, research report out from the Health Research Institute, really talking about exchanges and how exchanges are really changing the uh, the dynamics and creating uh, you know the retail health benefits uh, experience. Well, that's a, it's, a, it's a great part of the marketplace, again, to be looking at and watching. There's a lot of hesitation about it. There's a lot of new options. There's new choices. A lot of things need to be understood better. And uh, you've been on the forefront. Again, you've extended the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism into um, the private health exchange information. So we connect those two worlds where we're seeing so much change going on. How do they come together? How do they match up? What's the value of consumerism as we move into an exchange-type marketplace? And what's the real future of the marketplace? It's still evolving. It's very much in the early stages. There's some successes. There's some failures. There's some misunderstandings in the marketplace. But um, you've got a way of approaching that and trying to educate the market as well and bring people together, right? Yeah, yeah. our goal is, you know, you know, with our Learn, Share, Connect mm-hmm. theme is to be that resource that people can come to and access information, can network with each other to collaborate. So. You know, the exchange content is deep in the fabric of our online community. You know, we publish uh, healthcare exchange solutions and related uh, newsletters. We launched the industry's definitive guide to private exchanges. We're not trying to be 
the consulting advisor we're trying to be the guide to show mm-hmm. you you know where the different models are you know across the country and that guide is now uh, over 165 uh, private exchanges and uh, <coughs> we're going to tease the market a little bit now now too because look for a pretty exciting announcement in the next two weeks on uh, something else that we're going to do uh uh, the end of the first quarter, I think the in- industry will be very. Uh, I've heard a little bit about that. Yeah. There's a lot of interesting stuff going. Yeah, yeah, you just keep coming up with new ideas on how to make this thing more robust in the marketplace and to meet the consumers' needs out there, and to uh, be sure that the vendors that are providing these products and services have a uh, direct connection into that. Uh, uh, you know that that gold vein where all the markets are really developing, so they don't have to be picking and choosing and trying to figure out, you know, who am I selling to and who are the early adopters, who are the fast followers. You're bringing all those folks together so that we can really uh, uh, spur this market along. Yeah, and when you see, you know, talking about exchange markets specifically in PwC's report, when you read from their report that 32 uh, plus percent of employers <clears throat> are strongly considering moving to an exchange within the next three years. And some studies are much higher than that. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a pretty high volume of uh, movement in this marketplace. And I think we will see, you know, the uh, the velocity and speed of moving into those, I think it's going to be dependent upon whether or not the vendors are really responsive in developing the products. You know, it's one thing to yep. say you're an exchange, but what does that mean? What is yep. What's underneath all that? And what are the products and services? And we're going to be talking about some of the new options uh, in today's program about the types of services that that would be offered through an exchange and how all that fits together. So it's um, it's a very uh, dynamic market again. Uh, it's 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 but we don't know where it's going. That's sort of the the fun part of this is the is to try to help people map their way through this. You know, uh, the institute has always been an aggregator of information and a navigator. Uh, how do I get through all this? How do I weave my way through what's important, what's not important? Yep. And then I think the third area that's most important, you use the term all the time, is collaborator. Yep. You know, we get people together to collaborate on all this stuff. So it's aggregating, navigating, collaborating as well. So it's really um, uh, an important epicenter uh, for anybody out there who's interested in uh, the, some call it the consumerism of healthcare these days. <laughs> uh, we've been calling it healthcare consumerism for a long time. Yeah. So uh, it's all kind of coming together, and it's uh, it's it's a large part is due to uh, you know the uh, Affordable Care Act kind of pushing people uh, to make choices and uh, really look at this stuff in a hard way, and to have entrepreneurs come in and uh, provide some new services that maybe weren't uh, otherwise going to come along this fast. That's right, and uh, and talk about collaboration. You know, coming up uh, November tenth through twelfth um, is our IC Forum West, and uh, as we've talked on earlier programs, yeah, we're you know, pleased about where this event is moving right now. The timing, you know, it's going to provide a real-time discussion on results from open from open enrollment, mm-hmm. perspective on open enrollment, a real-time first look in on strategic decisions for 2016. And we were just talking before the program too. We're going to be able to give a perspective on the election. Absolutely, know, absolutely. Now, where's that going to be again? Uh, November 10th through 12th. Yeah. In Las Vegas. In Las Vegas. In Las at, Vegas. At the Red Rock. It's yeah. an easy place to get to from Atlanta or from almost any major city in the United States. We want people from the West Coast to the East Coast to come out there because it's going to be a great forum. And you have it at the uh, the, the Red Rock, which is uh, a great location. You know, it's a lot of companies over the years have cut back on conference um, uh, funding. 
uh, in Las Vegas, sometimes it's questionable because, oh, you're just going to go there for the entertainment. Well, there's clearly entertainment. Red Rock is kind of removed from the Strip. So people think that they're just going to go out there and just uh, gamble, not go to the meetings. That's not what this is about. Yeah, this we, is this is a business meeting. That's right. We moved it outside of Las Vegas on purpose. Quality facility. People want to stay afterwards. They can stay after the, the event, enjoy Las Vegas. So, so if you haven't checked it out, you know, we urge you to go to our website, www.thiaccforum.com. And stay tuned for the next segment, Healthcare Consumers and Radio. Hey, everybody. Brent Macy, Managing Director for the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism. And it's that time again. I want to make you aware of IHC Forum West, November 10th through 12th at the Red Rock Casino in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. We do have $99 Super Saver rates now available. Visit our website, theihcc.com, to register. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Certification. Do you know why becoming a certified healthcare consumerism specialist is more important than ever in 2014? Adding this specialized designation to your credentials tells employers or your clients that you understand how much our industry has changed and how to navigate that change successfully. IHC University's certification program offers coursework both online and live at their biannual forum conference series, and testing is completed online. Reaffirm your position as a leader in the health and benefit management industry. Download our certification overview and learn more at www.theihcc.com. That's www.theihcc.com. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Hey, this is Doug Field along with my co-host Ron Bachman, and welcome back to this segment of Healthcare Consumerism Radio. And, and joining us to lead the discussion about healthcare payments is uh, Joan Christensen, VP of Health Services with First Data. Joan, good morning. Good morning. You coming us, to us from Omaha today? Omaha, Nebraska, yes. Great. Go Cornhuskers, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, they're not. I don't know how well they're going to do this year. We'll have to see. Okay, well, listen, I'm a, we'll get into health care payments in a minute. I'm a Buckeye, so I'm pretty disappointed already. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, Joan, nice to have you on the program. Good to Thank talk to you. Thank you. Nice to be here. Right. Give our audience a little background on uh, First Data, specifically the health care uh, you know, segment that, that you oversee. Sure, absolutely. And thank you for this opportunity to be able to speak to you and, and your listeners about what First Data does. So uh, First Data is, may be a name that people are unfamiliar with, but we are a global technology leader in the payments industry. So really what this means is we provide secure and innovative technologies and services for our 6 million merchants, 8,000 FIs and 800 million consumers with accounts on our system. Mm, yeah. So, from a healthcare, what does that mean from a healthcare perspective? Mm-hmm. Really, what it means is we have um, ability to provide solutions for hundreds of thousands of providers in the nation, thousands of hospital systems today, as well as millions of consumers and moving money. So, basically, payments are in our DNA. Yeah. You know, talk to us a little bit about, you know, specifically what you do in the healthcare payment space, because I think it's probably one of the silent solutions that goes to work, and a lot of people don't pay attention to it, but it's very, very important, and it's changing, too. So talk to us a little bit about specifically what, what you do in the healthcare sector. 
Sure. So, yeah, there's the, the health care payments, right, is, is such a, a vast difference from anywhere, any other kind of payments that occur anywhere else, right? So medical payments, uh, you walk in and receive a service or a product, and you may not know for 30 days later how much is, is due for that, that, that service or product. So it's, it's a difficult process. There are lots of different stakeholders in that solution set. So First Data works with providers in giving them solutions for their front office, their back office collection services, ability to determine whether a patient is able to pay, as well as, uh, from a consumer perspective, tools that help them build their health and wellness in whether it's a health savings account uh, processing or whether it is a wellness incentive prepaid debit card that incents uh, employees from, uh, you know, to do healthy, make healthy choices in that process. Uh, Jones, Ron Bachman here. Um, you know, you've listed out uh, your company, um, you know, pioneered a multipurpose healthcare card that provides access to HSAs, HRAs, and FSAs. One of the things I'm most interested in is the other funding sources that you mentioned, uh, you know, on your website and the materials that you sent over to us, um, including the integrated line of credit. So tell us how that works. So somebody's got a big deductible, which is the, the movement these days, right. and they don't have funds in their account. Are you able to actually provide them um, basically a loan, a line of credit um, sure. against that? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, that was built in our system when we originally launched our multi-purse program back in uh, 2001. Um, the, the, the thinking is, right, is as high deductible health plans continue to be on the rise, uh, you know, more employers are trying to find ways to reduce their costs with health care for their employees. So they're offering high deductible health plans. And if an employee, um, typically they're offered a health savings account associated with that high deductible health plan, but that is uh, funded over a course of payroll deductions. So it may take an employee several months or years to build up uh, some, some value in that account. And in that time, if there is an unfortunate situation where an employee may have um, a catastrophic event, healthcare event, um, they may need some more funding. So in addition, the same, the same piece of, of card, of plastic, can be used for a line of credit to be able to extend um, um, the value of that health care service and be able to help that employee uh, make payments associated with uh, some, some significant dollar amount that they have yet to be able to save for. You know, that's such a critical area because people, you know, say, well, gee, I can handle some payment, a $20 copay. Yeah. And with a line of credit, they might be able to handle, you know, the payment off of a loan over a period of time. Right. How do you um, qualify people for that card? Because I know in the normal, you know, credit industry, the um, uh, the turndown rate's pretty high. So how do you how do you handle that with uh, the potential of uh, bad debts? Uh, or do you assume that the fact that they're working and they're with an employer, is the employer gives some some back uh, backup um, support for that um, that potential bad debt? Yeah, you know that's been part of the thinking is that the employer may want to contribute some defined dollar amount to to that fund on behalf of the employee, um, but really from um, a, a financial institution perspective, they're having they're underwriting that line of credit associated okay. with that account. Mm-hmm. 
So now I'm an employer, and I go to this high deductible. You know, I've got a $5,000 deductible, and I don't have uh, employees with, you know, accounts built up at this point. Mm-hmm. How do I, how do I um, you know, connect with your service? Do I come to you directly? Are you offering it through uh, insurance carriers or TPAs? Or, you know, where, where, where are you in the, um, in the stream of things? Sure. So we work with several different entities. Um, so we have relationships with many of the larger third-party administrators that administer uh, FSA, HRA, HSA programs for employers. We also work closely with a number of health plans that offer these kinds of, of programs as well. And in addition, the financial institutions um, that we have 4,000 relationships, and we have multitude of, of those that, that sponsor these programs. So as an employer, again, let me push it a little bit further so as, as our audience is clear. If I want your services, um, I, I'm going to get that through one of my other vendors that I'm, I'm working with. How do I know which vendors would use your services and which ones don't? Well, yes, the employer would would, would have a relationship directly with uh, TPA, a third-party administrator, and um, they would uh, uh, just check and make sure that they have all the different options and solutions and tool sets that they need for their employees uh, as they go to make that decision. And um, they may not know uh, who's behind it. First State has always been known as the business behind the business, right. but the TPA certainly knows that we're here, and uh, a lot of times they do bring us into meetings with their employer groups to help them um, explain our platform and um, how the security of our platform and, and the, the vast, uh, broad solution sets that we do bring. Joan, where do you see the space moving, the healthcare payment space moving uh, uh, near term and into the near future? Right, yeah, I think that there's going to be lots of changes as we talked just now. The high deductible health plans continue to be on the rise, which means more patient responsibility. Um, There are surveys out there that indicate providers are, are currently unable to collect today 20 to anywhere from 20 to 50 percent of that patient responsibility amount so as you pointed out it's no longer just a $20 copay but it could be a $2,000 bill that they're not able to collect so being able to do some estimators at the time of the service uh, as well as being able to determine the patient's ability to pay that bill those are tools um, through our provider merchant acquiring business um, and and also uh, uh, an asset we have in telecheck being able to determine a a patient's ability to pay to assist that provider up front and uh, not having to worry about collecting afterwards so there's there's all sorts of options from that perspective. First Data also offers uh, has we have many networks. Uh, we own the Star Network and and many other merchant acquiring platforms that we can help bring um, a lot of dis, uh, dis, um, different platforms that are out there from the payers, uh, the meaning the insurance companies and the mm-hmm. providers to assist them in that payment process and bringing some efficiencies and and automation to passing payments back and forth. 
So there's a number of different things and solution sets. Wellness and incentive cards are also something mm-hmm. that continue to get uh, a lot of attention in this space, and, and we get a lot of interest from our clients on our abilities from a prepaid perspective to be able to offer solutions that uh, to their employees that if you do um, you know certain things like take a health risk assessment, mm-hmm. the employer might be willing to fund $200 into uh, a prepaid card mm-hmm. and allow you to use that for, for any purpose. But it's helping employees incent and make better de- health care decisions so that their, their wellness is, is taken care of as well. So I didn't realize that was part of your solution set. So wellness incentive cards are part of your solution set as well. Abso- absolutely. Okay. Yeah, that's a bit of big rise and increase mm-hmm. in, in uh, interest for our clients and actually in the in the industry. There was a survey from Aon Hewitt, I think it said 64% of all employers today offer a wellness program. And a lot of those wellness dollars get put back onto um, payroll. But what we're seeing is that employees want a card where they can, once they achieve the the task or whatever the event is, um, they can have the funds loaded, the $200 for the health risk assessment immediately to a a reloadable prepaid card, and they can go out and spend that for anything they want as opposed to receiving pennies on a a payroll. Uh, Joan, the the delivery systems are changing as well. Um, How does your services, how how do your services fit into some of the changing, like a Doctors are moving to direct pay. Uh, Are you doing something in that space? Uh, Concierge services, those types of new delivery systems. How how do your services fit in and accommodate those changes that might be going on? Sure. So from a provider perspective, um, what we offer is just any way that that, um, the provider wants to receive payment. So we we really deal in the payment aspect and providing tools for collection and, and, and billing services. So... As a provider uh, wants to accept payment, um, there's a new uh, movement underway for virtual card payment. So it's a one-time use card where a provider is using their existing system to be able to receive payment, whether it's coming from the payer or whether it's coming from the consumer. So it, it is a, it's vital for, for um, providers to have multitude of, of options. The other thing from a payments perspective um, that seems to be changing is really mobile payments. Mm. Again, healthcare payments are, are you don't know what you owe until you know 30, 60 days later. Lots of confusion in the billing process. I get my EOB as a consumer. I may not really know exactly what I owe yet. Mm-hmm. Mobile payments really and digital wallets uh, are continual movement that is mm-hmm. is really big from healthcare because you're now away from the point of sale. Um, once you know what you owe, you can use your your mobile wallet to make make payment. And sure. recently, you may have heard about the Apple announcement mm-hmm. about Apple Pay, right? Well, first data is was selected by Apple. Uh, to provide the tokenization of those transactions. So we ensure the Very security good. of those payments being made when you're using your Apple 6 phone. Hey, Joan, we got about a minute to go, and I don't want, and I want uh, you to be able to tell the audience <clears throat> how they can get in touch with you and leave them with a, a takeaway. Sure. Um, yeah, they, they can uh, reach me um, uh, through our firstdata.com website, and if they want more information, 
and a, a few things just to, to leave with your listeners is is we are all about health care payments. We understand the complexity that occurs where there are many varied stakeholders that are involved in the revenue cycle management, and it's imperative to have that right payment at the right time and allow all the stakeholders in the ecosystem really a choice in how they receive payment. So that's really what First Data is working and striving towards. Joan, listen, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us today. You have a great weekend. Uh, Thank you. You too. Yeah, take care. And to the rest Bye. of our audience, stay tuned for the next segment of Healthcare Consumers Radio. This is Ron Bachman, Chairman of the Editorial Advisory Board for the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism. The IHC is a collaborative community for innovative health and benefit management solutions. If you're a stakeholder involved in any part of the healthcare system, you'll find the Institute, the voice for healthcare consumerism. We invite you to see more about the organization at www.theihcc.com. Solution providers, are you aware of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism's multiple marketing platforms? You're invited to get a little closer to IHC with our Solution Provider Membership Marketing Program. Through IHC's exclusive Solution Provider Membership, your business gets an all-access pass to engaging your prospects. This membership embeds your business within the Institute, which immediately aligns your company, its solutions, and your key executives with the nationally credible IHC brand and shows your support of the healthcare consumerism movement as a market-wide solution. And that's just the beginning. Contact IHC's Managing Director, Brent Macy, today at bmacy at theihcc.com. Hi, this is Brent Macy, Managing Director for the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism. If you're a solution provider in this marketplace, I'd like to talk to you more about our corporate membership program that will allow you to showcase your solutions in front of our audience who will be making decisions on what they're going to be putting in place surrounding their healthcare benefit packages in 2013 and beyond. Contact me at 770-296-7276 to learn more. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Hey, this is Doug Field along with my co-host Ron Bachman, and welcome back to the segment of Healthcare Consumers and Radio. And uh, we're going to get into a discussion around e-commerce and consumer-driven benefits, and that discussion is going to be led by uh, Chris Hill, CEO of Spotlight. Chris, good morning. Morning. Hey, nice to have you with us. How's Chicago today? Uh, a little, a little cold and rainy. Is it really? I'm coming. Yeah. I'm winter's coming, coming early. Couple weeks. <laughs> winter's coming early to the north. <laughs> uh, well, Chris, nice to have you here. Uh, and I know this is one of your second ventures in this in this space. You launched uh, Perkspot uh, several years ago, and now you're uh, involved with Spotlight. Uh, tell our audience a little bit about Spotlight. Sure. So, so Spotlight's a technology company, and our focus is really on making employee benefits simple. Uh, we want to make a, a great experience for employers and employees alike. So, uh, you know, we have been focused on helping employers move benefits off of uh, traditional enterprise systems and paper, uh, you know, push those into the cloud and, and really take advantage of, of contemporary uh, technologies and processes. And then for the employee, we really want to make benefits a, a great experience. We want to give them the tools that they need to make educated benefits decisions. And you know, as, as we all know, the, the benefits package is quickly uh, evolving, and uh, you know we're really we're really geared to help our primary constituents keep up with that evolution. Now, are you just around voluntary or around the complete benefit experience? We are we are the entire benefits package. Okay. So, 
you know, soup to nuts from the, uh, the major medical plan into the, the voluntary products. And, you know, we, we really view that as a, as a singular experience and think that putting it all together is, uh, is absolutely critical to success. Now, you're, but you're not an exchange, are you, or are you? We, we, we will support an exchange. We're not in the market with our own, with our, own uh, our own proprietary private exchange. We'll support broker exchanges, carrier exchanges with our technology. We will. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Where do you see uh, where do you see the market going over the next three years? You know, I, I was talking on the first segment about PwC's recent uh, survey that our uh, research board just came out talking about thirty two plus percent of employers strong consideration to move to an exchange environment over the next three years, which is a big number, and some people are more aggressive than that. Where do you see where do you see the market going? Yeah, I, you know, I, I think that a key word there when you talk about the PwC report is 32% considering an exchange. Um, mm-hmm. Exchanges are fantastic, um, and and uh, they, they solve problems. They don't solve everybody's problems, and I, I think that mm-hmm. you're seeing the, uh, you know, exchanges will, will, will continue to grow, uh, but right now I think exchanges are winning the, the PR uh, <laughs> battles. Lots of people are talking about them. Um, and depending on the size of the group, that, that exchange only, it, it, it doesn't solve all your problems. So when we talk yep. about the kind of next three years, I think we'll, we'll, we'll continue to see learnings uh, on exchanges. We'll, we'll see uh, employers continue to explore them. But when it gets to your, you know, call it your couple hundred plus, thousand plus, uh, you know, self-insured groups, I'm not, I'm not sure they see the advantage of moving to, to a true exchange quite yet. Okay. I think you could be right. You know, one thing that we do see, and, and I know you're indicating it here, too, and I'd like you to talk about it, is that, uh, you know, the growth of full replacement programs, you know, regardless of whether the exchange buyer, the, the growth of HSA and full replacement programs, and within those programs, really the explosion of the voluntary benefits portfolio. And you, and you see the same thing, I believe, correct? Uh, absolutely, positively. One of the original consumerism products, voluntary benefits, right? <laughs> Worksite benefits, going back many, many years. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's got a. It's been a. It's been an interesting history when you when you look at those products and you know the how, the way that they've grown and evolved and you know Affleck being a big pioneer of those products and really you know kind of distributing those to small businesses and you know distributing via meetings and and paper and mm-hmm. you know over time those those products have, have grown and evolved a lot of new players in the space a lot of new uh, a lot of folks just trying to innovate on those products and i think those products finding a pretty important role you know when we talk about the consumerization of benefits when we talk about high deductible health plans uh you know it's really become their time to shine and when you look at you know, year-over-year growth rates for some of those supplemental health products. It's pretty It's pretty astounding, uh, you know, given that we're talking about a multi-billion-dollar market. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, these full replacement, uh, you know, high-deductible plans and whether in exchange or outside exchange, I mean, volunteers there to provide gap coverage and lifestyle benefit coverage, and, you know, it's, it's, it's time has really arrived. I mean, that's what consumer as consumers become more educated through solutions like yours and have accessibility i think we're going to see to continue it just makes sense that it's going to continue to grow yep i think you're spot on are you a, a, a cloud-based solution chris 
We are. We, we, we are. Uh, you know, we want lots of advantages to being in the cloud, you know, both public and private. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, to be very careful with, with that data. We're, you know, certainly keep the uh, keep that secure and, you know, some of the public public cloud, um, you know, there, there's some both some education, uh, public education as to, you know, how and why uh, yeah. to both in the benefits space and outside. But, um, but yeah, cloud-based, lots, lots of reasons for us to do that, accessibility. Uh, you know, you, you've seen a lot of employers and, and you know, the, the, the kind of darling of the, the cloud enterprise space is, is Workday. Um, you know, they're providing a much broader HR solution, but but a lot of large employers, I think there was a probably, it's probably a year or two ago, CIO Magazine did a, a survey of, um, you know, CIOs, CTOs, and the, the Fortune, uh, either 500 or 1,000, and something like 80% of those folks said that they would be changing out their HR systems uh, in the next four years. And it's, it's really because you're seeing in enterprise software move from these on-premise solutions, you know, going and installing the latest version of PeopleSoft, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to leverage the the functionality uh, of the cloud, and uh, you know, Workday has has been very well received in in the public markets, and I think you'll see that that trickle down from kind of the broad ERP mm-hmm. uh, perspective into the you know things like benefits, which is which is obviously near and dear to our heart. Chris Ron Bachman here. Um, I'd like to get a little bit better understanding. Uh, you know, it's entrepreneurs like you. And your organizations that are, are leading edge, uh, that are you know finding what does the consumer want, what is the, what do the businesses want, and creating new technologies and using uh, new approaches. Uh, the cloud-based technology. Talk about that a little bit more for some of our listeners out there, whether they're individuals or companies or benefit managers, etc. You know, we hear a lot about uh, the privacy and security concerns about uh, cloud-based. Um, uh, you know, some of the, the things that have occurred lately where some of the information has not been as secure. But um, tell us about that, why you think that cloud-based technology is, is as secure, if not more secure, than if you're keeping everything in-house. Yeah, we're we're quickly going to get out outside of my uh, expertise. I could I could have my uh, you know CTO CIO hop on a call and and talk all about this. Um, you know, we we every every carrier, every broker, every employer, uh, you know, is going to go should go through a very rigorous testing of you know mm-hmm. uh, security and make sure that the. Uh, the, the provider that you are selecting is, is following the protocol that's necessary um, to protect that information. And I think that what you've seen from some of the breaches that have happened in the past is, you know, probably folks who, uh, who treated security as, uh, as, 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 as less important. Um, you know, I don't think we've seen any in the, in the employer space or in the, kind of, in, in the benefit space. But, you know, when you look out at some of the, uh, some of the more uh, consumer-facing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, breaches. Mm-hmm. I, I think I can remember, uh, you know, LinkedIn had a had a breach a couple of years ago, and you know, I mean, they just they didn't follow some of the basic things that you would uh, you would do to secure passwords uh, and, and, and account information. And you know, our engineers got a little laugh out of it when they when they saw some of the protocols that were being followed. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, our our ours was more secure. The the, the standards we followed were two to the I don't know, eight eight hundredth power uh, more <laughs> secure than, uh, than than what theirs were. So, you know, cloud is secure. Cloud is uh, you know the, the future. Cloud's here to stay, but you just you can't take security lightly. 
Talk about some of your products out there. You've got uh, Spotlight Choice and Spotlight Central. Um, one of the key issues in this whole marketplace, and I think the soft underbelly of consumerism, is education, um, health literacy, use whatever term you want uh, to get people involved and engaged. Talk about those products and, and what they do for the uh, consumer. Yeah, that, that is something that we, we are really passionate about is, is really that, that literacy and that education. And, you know, our flagship product and what we really entered the market with, uh, you know, two-plus years ago is Spotlight Choice. Uh, and Spotlight Choice is, you know, really it's, it's, a, it's a solution it, it built for the, the employee. It's, a, it's an e-commerce approach to benefits. Um, you know, we, we you look at the, the 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 marketplace, and you know some of the entrenched players in the the big enterprise software space, and even some of the a, a lot of the large employers in, in the in the benefit space, is that a lot of the systems that were out there, um, they're built for HR. They were mm-hmm. built to connect insurance carriers with HR departments and give man, benefits managers the uh, functionality they needed to manage benefits accounts for their employees. And when you think about the evolution of benefits, when you think about you know when a lot of these systems were built, which is 10 plus years ago, um, you, there was no real need for choice uh, for the consumer. They, they it was a benefits were one size fits all. Do you want that that major medical plan with the $250 deductible? Yes or no? Maybe you chose an HMO or a PPO. You know, it was very simple binary decisions. But we all know that that's not the world today, and then so this is something that that we built, saying, "Hey, you know what? The the employee deserves better. The consumer deserves better. They're paying for a heck of a lot more of their benefits uh, than they were ten years ago. Uh, so if you employer, you carrier, you broker are going to put more kind of burden on that employee." Well, let's give them the tools to make the right decisions because a bad decision can be catastrophic uh, mm-hmm. in a lot of instances. So that's really our our spotlight choice product. We get a little passionate about that. You know, uh, it's a it's a long description for, for for one of our products, but it's it's something that that we strongly believe in. Um, and so we solve for the employee first. We said we're going to build build beautiful software. We introduce our our, our spot our uh, spotlight choice product. <coughs> And then we solve for the HR administrator. Now, the HR administrator, we love them, uh, and, and we've also created uh, really a, an innovative approach to managing benefits and, and really managing benefits in an environment where uh, the employee comes first. They're, they're footing uh, a big part of the bill. Uh, and, and so, you know, we, we want to treat those employees as adults, you know, probably give employees some of the power that uh, they may not have traditionally had as something as simple as initiating a life event. Uh, and, and so we're allowing the employees to do that, but still giving t- control to the HR administrator um, via our central product. Chris, Chris, we've got about a minute to go, and I want the, uh, you to be able to give the audience a, uh, a couple takeaways and then how they can get in touch with you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so so I, I guess a couple of key takeaways is, you know, we've seen benefits costs moving to the con- to the employee. Employees are paying for more. They need the tools to um to, to make educated benefits decisions. So something that, that we feel passionate about, you see a lot of innovation on the product side. Uh, you know, don't forget about the communication, wrapping communication with enrollment and really giving a one-stop shop for benefits to the employees. As far as getting in touch with us, I'd recommend folks go to spotlight.com. That's spot, L-I-T-E, dot com. Uh, take, a, take a look at, at our products, uh, you know, tool around. Let us know if you have questions. You can reach out via contact form on our website, or you can shoot us an e- email at hello at spotlight.com. 
Chris, uh, thank you so much uh, for joining us. And uh, <clears throat> if you have some time, come out and join us at IHC Forum West uh, in November. We'd love to love to have you out with us. Will do. Thanks a lot, guys. Take right, care. Thanks, thanks. You, you have a great weekend. To our audience, uh, again, if you haven't uh, checked out IHC Forum West, uh, go to our website, IHCForum.com. Uh, and... Uh, that those dates again are November 10th through 12th. Uh, stay tuned for our next segment of Healthcare Consumerism Radio. Membership. Are you an IHC member? Access to the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism's breaking news, industry trends, expert blogs, and networking with IHC's industry-wide member community. IHC membership puts you at the focal point of the dynamic health and benefit industry, allowing you to join the conversation and collaborate with industry stakeholders and your peers. Your IHC membership includes a subscription to Healthcare Consumerism Solutions Magazine, Healthcare Exchange Solutions Magazine, annual publications Healthcare Solutions Superstars, and Healthcare Solutions Outlook, a free white paper, and much more. Sign up as a free IHC member or $99 premium IHC member today at www.theihcc.com. That's www.theihcc.com. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Solution providers, are you aware of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism's multiple marketing platforms? You're invited to get a little closer to IHC with our Solution Provider Membership Marketing Program. Through IHC's exclusive Solution Provider Membership, your business gets an all-access pass to engaging your prospects. This membership embeds your business within the Institute, which immediately aligns your company, its solutions, and your key executives with the nationally credible IHC brand and shows your support of the healthcare consumerism movement as a market-wide solution. And that's just the beginning. Contact IHC's Managing Director, Brent Macy, today at bmacy at the IHCC.com. This is America's WebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Hey, welcome back uh, to Healthcare Consumer Radio. This is Doug Field along with my co-host, Ron Bachman. And joining us today to talk about uh, FSAs, which is coming up at the end of the year, and uh, the rollover and a better understanding of rollovers is Jeremy Miller, uh, founder and president of FSAstore.com. Jeremy, good morning. Morning. How are you, Doug? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm great. Great. Hey, tell the market, uh, or tell our audience a little bit about FSAstore.com, please. Sure. FSAstore.com, we're the only e-commerce site online to only sell FSA and HSA eligible products. So everything on our site caters to the 15 million Americans that have a flexible spending account, um, 15 million Americans that have a health savings account uh, that use their accounts uh, regularly. We sell thousands of products that people can buy with their FSA and HSA. We also are really a, a hub for product information and eligibility and just help consumers uh, figure out their plans. Which is a big deal right now as we have this current rollover language in place. Talk a little bit about that if you would. Sure. Back in uh, late 2013, uh, Treasury implemented a $500 rollover for flexible spending accounts. So if if an employer opts in, then um, that employee can choose to roll over $500 of their funds from one year to the next. So um, 
there's less of a worry for employees to have to really understand or you know use their money at the end of the year, and just gives them more control over their healthcare dollars so they can they can roll from plan to plan. Now, how do you help uh, work with the employers really to um, help them educate their employees on how to use and maximize their FSA throughout the year? What are the type of things that you guys do? Yes, actually, right now that's a you know really perfect question. As open enrollment is underway for some and um, upcoming for many, uh, I think that what we do is we we have partnerships with third-party administrators, mm-hmm. and we really aim to educate the employer and the employees on all the available options that that employee has using an FSA and an HSA, and really. Um, allowing them to really take advantage of this tax-free benefit. I think that there's two really key things that we focus on on our website as well as when we're doing um, open enrollment webinars. One is education. You know, there's a huge gap in education between what employees understand about these uh, consumer-directed health plans. I think the second one that's not touched on and something that we really focus on is just ease of use Mm -hmm. of those plans. So, for example, debit card usage, uh, 85% of employees prefer a debit card for their FSA or HSA account, but it's, it's less uh, how many people actually, how many employers actually offer them. So those are the kinds of things that we aim to do is both educate as well as to improve and promote ease of use. Uh, Jeremy, it's Ron Bachman here. Let's go back for a second just to, uh, you know, be sure all of our audience is clear. There's a couple of... Uh, of options they have, I guess. Uh, could you explain the difference between that $500 rollover that we talked about and um, and uh, the grace period that they can have another two and a half months or so to use dollars from the previous year? How does that all work together so we have a, a clear understanding in the marketplace here? Yeah, I think you know, they all work together. I think the, the goal is to promote ease of use of um, FSAs. And so you know, there is an option of just having uh, funds there being a deadline, for example, December 31st is a very popular deadline to use funds. But many companies offer the grace period, which is a two-and-a-half-month uh, extension of those benefits to be able to use their FSA uh, without losing the funds. And the third option is the rollover, which was, like I said, introduced last year, um, which now allows them to roll up over $500 a year. Now, that $500 um, can be used this year and next year, but the maximum you can roll over each year is $500. Mm-hmm. So it's, a, it's not an accumulative thing. It's more of a per per year max of $500 that can be rolled over. So all in all, what it does is make flexible spending accounts uh, more easy for the consumer to um, be able to not lose their funds, which is something that is cited in many surveys as one of the main reasons that people do not opt into FSAs is that fear of, of losing funds. And so, correct, correct me if I'm wrong, you can't do both. You can't have the grace period and the $500 rollover? Is that correct? Exactly, yeah. Okay. You, can't, you, so can, it's one you can pick one or the other. Two, um, HSAs and FSAs. Uh, limited care FSA. Now, I think your service is fantastic because um, I'm not sure everybody fully appreciates the fact that the use of FSA dollars or HSA dollars or even HRA uh, account balances um, feed into something uh, without getting too technical. I guess it's called, what, 213D expenses under the IRS code. That uh, And there's no specific list. There's, there's no itemized list. There, there's things that have historically been accepted by the IRS as uh, allowable for FSA funds, but they change over time, don't they? 
Oh yeah, we're on we're on um, we're on the board of actually the eligible product list committee, and we personally um, send in over 200 new products a month to be mm-hmm. considered for eligibility. So, in our sense, you know, we we do sell products, and that's our main source of revenue and and, and income. But really, the site is also a tool for people to help understand what's covered because it gets very confusing when um, SPF. Uh, you know, SPF 15 was something that's pretty pretty new, but it, it does get confusing sometimes when pull-ups are covered and diapers aren't. Right. So yeah. it's hard for the yeah. consumer to go into a regular store with forty to 50,000 different products and say, well, this one's covered and this one's not. Right. And so we really are a tool uh, in that sense to be able to help consumers better understand how to use their funds. And we get a ton of feedback from people that say one of the most important things they see is that, wow, I didn't realize that my breast pump or first aid kit or contact lens solution uh, was was actually covered under the plan. So we, we love to hear that from our customers. What do you see, Jeremy, as the most common FSA expense? Um, the most common expense, I mean, there's really a ton of popular categories. The first aid is definitely common. Mm-hmm. Um, baby care, son care. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's definitely pain relief products. And um, Diagnostic products are also key, so blood pressure monitors, heart rate sensors, um, those are very popular. Mm-hmm. And we continually try to add new products so that people uh, can be aware of, of other things that are coming that are eligible to help promote um, or you know help to cure, mitigate, or prevent disease. So what are some of those new items that the IRS has recently allowed to be covered? Um, so something that we were we working on now is um, some people have chronic back pain, mm-hmm. and so we scoured the web for products that uh, other than heat patches that might help people with back pain. So now there's um, these sensors that you can put on your back um, for um, for back pain. Mm-hmm. Um, breastfeeding supplies are are huge after um, recent usage of a lot of different um, breast product products. So. The pumps are covered. Um, anything around um, breastfeeding is, is covered. We also sell a lot of specialty sunscreens, which mm-hmm. are very popular, as well as glucosamine thermometers. Um, as I said, blood pressure monitors. Defibrillators are interesting. Um, we don't sell them, but you can sell. You can buy a scooter. <laughs> That's just a random product that I throw in there. But right. first aid kits are very popular. Diabetes supplies. Um, kinesiology tapes. Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot of things that uh, people are very surprised about. And and, and so Jeremy, your distri- distribution model is through partnerships with TPAs, correct? Yes. Uh, and and then your business model is transactional. Or what, what, what You're selling the products, is that correct? Right. Yeah. So um, you know we we have a partnership program that we put a lot of time into, which is we reach out to third party administrators across the country that offer FSAs and HSAs, and uh, we partner with them to help them uh, promote the site to people that have FSAs and HSAs, because mm-hmm. we really have the same goal, which is to increase usage, to increase understanding, and the site uh, the site does that, and, and so do the tools that we have. So we just actually released a comprehensive eligibility list, has over 800 different types of products mm-hmm. and services that are covered. So um, even though we do sell products, we also want people to understand that there's also a lot of services 
other than dentistry and optometry that are covered, such as acupuncture or smoking cessation therapy. And so our 800 product list really goes down the gamut of everything A to Z that might be covered under your FSA, mm-hmm. your HSA, as well as your HRA, if, uh, if you have one and, the, and you know that you have one. And uh, it just makes it really streamlined and convenient for people to understand. So we, we're really focused on tools like that. Um, so we like to say that we're, we're really like a one-stop destination for those type of products because it's not just about selling products, it's also raising uh, awareness and promoting usage. That's good. You, your benefit to TPA, you're, you're enabling the TPA to provide added value to their employer uh, client, but also you are, are you creating a new revenue stream for them too through a, a partnership with you? Yeah, yeah. yeah I think the main, um, main source that people find is that we start to look at enrollment rates mm-hmm. as well as um, allocation rates. And so we survey our TPA partners as well as our uh, customers a lot, actually. And we do find that there's definitely a lift in um, people that find FSA store and find find the tools that we have and then end up increasing their allocation uh, for the next year, which increases TPA revenue. So the FSA administrators can make additional funds on both increasing enrollment through the plans as well as increasing allocation through the plans. And that's mm-hmm. our kind of common goal that we partner with TPAs to try to really achieve. Mm-hmm. Um, and we track that and, and are monitoring that consistently. So. Uh, Jeremy, we got about 30 seconds to go, and I want to give you sure. a chance to uh, wrap it and uh, uh, let our audience know how they can get in touch with you. Sure. So um, our site is fsastore.com. Um, you can find it through Google. You can type in FSA Store. We're there. And, uh, you know, we're constantly looking at new tools, and we're actually planning on releasing some big products in the upcoming next couple months that you'll be hopefully seeing through the pipeline so um, feel free to check it out and also to uh, live chat with us that's a very popular way that people like to communicate with us it's right on the bottom right hand corner so we're always here we're 24 7 so if you have a question or you have a question about a product our site is open all of the time <laughs> jeremy great to talk we're to you here. again uh, good to have you here uh Come join us out west. Love to see you out in Las Vegas. If you, if you have an opportunity yes. to join us out there, uh, you have a great weekend up in New York. And to the rest of our audience, and, and enjoy your weekend. We'll see you next week on Healthcare Consumerism Radio. Thank you. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.